0: the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders I'm Jordan Cooper aka Blender Ed Blender HD join with you on Mondays it's every Monday it's Mondays with James McCool Mondays with McCool pay dirt underscore DFS uh the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports it's a 15 hour audio masterclass. you can pick up a theory of DFS.com so James uh nba has gotten to the point can we trust the coaches anymore now i mean now like the injury report we can't trust now we can't trust the coach i mean we can never trust the coaches uh uh, i see everyone in chat i don't know if people like Rashawn holmes is doubtful he's not he's there's no chance he's playing and then he's playing and then it's like okay well thank you for it being the late game and then now now i gotta switch everything around so uh I know we've mentioned multiple times that, like this NBA season, NBA DFS is normally like chaos to some extent, but not to necessarily this extent. Uh, yesterday, were because the Kings game was the late game. Were you planning around situations where Barnes would be out or Barnes would be in, or Holmes would be out or Holmes would be in in those types of situations, or or are, are you more inclined to like, I know we say to expect the unexpected, at least like the reasonable unexpected, but at some point, like when it's like the last game on the slate, at what point do you just say, like I'm, I'm I,
1: I don't, screw Luke Walton. I don't care what he, what he says. Well, one, uh, the Sean Holmes situation was super screwy yesterday because he went from questionable earlier to doubtful that like more close to doubtful and then he's going to play and it's like you how do you downgrade somebody and then upgrade them all the way up to playing it's just it's one thing when you can't trust the coaches it's another thing when the coaches just straight up lie and that's that's the part that's the most frustrating is these coaches just straight up lying and like this yeah, stuff- are they are they lying though because i think doc rivers doc I think rivers is lying no They're- doc rivers i think doesn't know what's going on Okay, so Doc Rivers is an idiot or lying. And right, either well, one. I think
0: you're like an idiot. We had that slate where he was like, I,
1: I don't – Embiid's <laughs> in the injury report
0: that, and he's questionable. And Doc Rivers in the press conference before the game, like at 5.30 or whatever. Like, I don't know why he would be I don't know, why I don't know if there's anything – I never know there was anything wrong with Embiid. Like, I don't even know why you're asking the question. And then, like, three minutes before lock, he's out.
1: That's more moron. I'm like, What? <laughs> And then the Steph Curry situation the other day where it was just like out of nowhere. They, they were just like, oh, right, yeah, he just doesn't want to play today. <laughs> like After a block, it's, it's so dumb. Uh, but regarding that, I think that there's a couple things that I take into effect. I, I mean, yesterday I cared a little bit about the Rashawn Holmes situation. I was pretty conservative on the white side projection. But like if he plays, obviously, white side is not going to play hardly anything at all. And if he doesn't, then white side plays maybe 20 minutes um, so I what didn't really I mean, well, and then, and then yeah, there's, well, there's Bialica like. and then there's Bagley. Like there, there are the other guys, but.
0: And then Bagley is Bagley's on a minutes limit. And then,
1: and then place 31 minutes, minutes. limit yeah. is
0: 48. So yeah, like, okay. for sure.
1: <laughs> it's, it's so asinine. Um, but I, I didn't care so much about the Rashawn, Sean Holmes situation. I cared a little bit more about the Harrison Barnes situation. Cause I did like Aaron Fox, um, but I, I think that another circumstance that I care a little bit about is how many games are on a slate. Last night, there were enough, ga- enough games on the slate that I didn't really have to care that much about the Rashawn Holmes situation because he's been out and because those, those forwards and the centers are kind of like priced appropriately for where they should be, even if he is out. I didn't have to care that much about it. Um, if it were like a four-game slate, then I have to pay a lot more attention to it because that's one entire situation. That, that's a quarter of the slate that can be minimally to drastically affected by a player either being in or out, or if Harrison Barnes and or Holmes are both out, then we have a real situation where we have to worry about it. So I think that game, the amount of games on a slate, that certainly has uh, a decent piece of the pie for me in caring about situations like that. But for the most part, like I wasn't, I wasn't caring so much about my player pool in regards to that game last night, specifically.
0: Right. Milo Kaminsky in the chat says, Luke Walton has lied his entire career. He and other dumb coaches think manipulating the injury report is an advantage. How could it, can it be an advantage? I don't understand. I just don't understand. Like it's, Oh, our game plan for this, like you're playing basketball. Like what, like, what does it, what does it matter? Oh, we, we, we went to shoot around and thought I, I, they think, I guess that's the point that Milo's saying is that, They think that they're being sneaky when
1: it probably has no effect whatsoever. No, unless it's like a massive, massive downgrade. I mean, if if we're talking, if they're keeping like three guys that they're like, oh, they're, they're definitely not going to play, but I'm going to put them questionable. If we're talking something like that, then maybe, or no, if they're three questionable and they are definitely going to play and the coach is like, oh, well, you know, he's really ailing, like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, both really ailing. Um, and the other team is like, well, maybe they're not going to have them. I, I don't know. Well, how did they I change anything? They. Like, but what what do they change? Oh, AD and LeBron aren't playing. So
0: that means what? Like, what then what do we do? rather right. than play our starters as normal and just <laughs>
1: obviously don't have to play against worse players. Like, well, maybe if the, if it's like a size advantage or something like that. I'm just trying to find get something. get the
0: starting lineup. I'm just trying like, to like, find
1: like, something, anything. Like... I don't know.
0: 15 minutes before tip-off or whatever. you I mean, it's not like you don't get the starting line. Oh, I see that this guy, oh, this is our starting five. And what's the worst case scenario? You take a timeout the 15 right. seconds in and you replace a guy? I mean, really?
1: No, we I know. Look. I'm just, I'm trying to find something.
0: But yesterday, we didn't get lied to with uh, uh, DSJ. Everyone played DSJ yesterday. No, I started starting for the Pistons. Like, the coach literally said, we're going to start out with them, but it's going to be a committee. We'll see how it goes. And you know what happens when you play Dennis Smith Jr. chalk, right? He couldn't even be the fourth point guard for the New York Knicks. So what do you expect out of the guy? Like, no, no, no. And Aiden every- Lee comes in, and he just, oh, I'm just going to play the entire half after DSA has one point. But Dennis Smith Jr. At least, that, at least then, James, if you looked at what the coach said, the coach didn't lie. He said he's yeah. starting, but it's 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 a hot hand. It's uh, just like yeah. uh, you know, in NFL, kind of like. Just because you see Ronald Jones out there for the first drive doesn't mean that Leonard Fournette's not going to get most of the carries the rest of the game. It's just who cares who's starting? Just that I'm starting with this guy, and if he happens to do well, I guess we continue.
1: If not, then you see you see some other guys. Well, it brings up this point that I've been trying to make about when these backups come into a starting role. It's like, dude, they're backups for a reason. And Dennis Smith Jr. is a real, but ba- like Dennis Smith Jr. Is he has like, a name
0: though, when he was on the Mavericks, he was like, he was an up and coming, like, oh, this this guy's a flashy guy.
1: And they yeah. didn't realize that he really can't play basketball. For sure. So Dennis Smith Jr. is like the most athletic guy at your local gym. Like, for sure, he is way better than most of the dudes that are like on the court. And like, he does cool stuff and he gets flashy steals and like, but his teams never win. And then like, it's, it's just this whole thing where everybody's like, yeah, man, I want to take Dennis Smith Jr. And like, you really you're just going to lose. Dennis Smith Jr went into 80% chalk last night in the $100. 80% chalk after scoring 0 real life points the night before and having his basically his ceiling of 25 fantasy points because of six blocks and steals. And then was 80% chalk. Uh Dennis Smith Jr just just don't do Dennis Smith Jr man. It's it was always only
0: 4000 what's wrong with that?
1: There were other people that were four thousand that you could. Yeah, and I
0: rostered them, and they did bad also. So
1: I mean, Patrick Beverly did slightly better. Oh, slightly better. It could have been the difference. McDaniel's didn't. Why did I play that guy? Neither did Corey Joseph, and I played Corey Joseph as well, and he got like five fantasy points.
0: Did any four K guy other than like Jeffries do well at all? No, not really. (laughs) <laughs> like it didn't really matter
1: the, the game last night was to play mid-range and I thought that the, the game last night was to play mid-range and I liked a lot of the mid-range guys and then I had the floor games from my mid-range guys and the ceiling games from the other mid-range guys and that's what you get when you play mid-range
0: yeah I, I did the up
1: and down and that didn't work no, nothing worked right. last. I, I don't think anybody actually made money last night. Nobody. I don't know.
0: I I was one. I I look at my scores and I go, who who did score well? <laughs> like I'm like I lost. Yes, yes, I lost on all three sites. But I'm like, like, but I'm looking at other lineups and they have four snowflakes too. And I'm like, like, how did anyone win Yes, Apparently, yeah. people did win, but it wasn't me. It wasn't yeah. anyone else that I know, or I don't know what lineups you had to put together to get them because it seemed like everything had a snowflake in it.
1: It's right. one of those slates where, like, I think it was shit my money on, on Twitter. He, he tweeted, he's like, People are the people who look at results DB and try to take results from this slate are just going to be t- terrible for two weeks because right. like nothing good worked yesterday.
0: Right. Well, you had to play guys that were like third off the bench and, and managed to get blowout run like those. Like, you look at the winning lineups and go, How do you come up with that? I, I yeah. mean, I was a 0.4% on this and a 0.4% on that. And you're jamming three guys from one team, and it's like, like okay, I, congratulations I on your bank, right? Those are just the slates that you lose. It's just like okay, I'm, I'm never going to make a lineup that's going to do well in that case. Yeah. Uh, but talking about player pools, uh, we had a conversation in uh, the Roto Grinders Discord, which is premium, so I'm in there all the time. Maybe not over the past weekend, but I'm I'm there usually. So I uh, sign up for Roto Grinders Premium with the link in the description. You get ten dollars off your first month, and I'm always in there answering questions, talking, I, that throwing out news. Right, you know, oh, that you know, just like with uh, Dennis Smith Jr., Kind of like oh, it's supposed to be a committee. Uh, but there was a discussion there over the weekend about player pools. Like, if you're going to multi-enter, I'm not talking about if you're going to make one lineup or anything. I'm talking twenty lineups, fifty lineups, something like that, hundred plus lineups of the value of curating a player pool that you want to make your lineups out of or leaving the pool as is and letting like serendipity happen where you have the numbers. I always preach the the value of projections, right? I mean, right now I'm gonna refresh. I mean, we have like the algorithmic projections, I believe 442 AM, yeah. So no manual adjustments. So this doesn't mean all that much yet. but like, if I go down to a, like a guy, if I go down to Gary Trent Jr. And he's 36 minutes, 26 fantasy point median, right? 13 to 39 range, but it's 16% smash minus five RGV. Like this is typically not, not, not someone I'm targeting, but could he, could he possibly end up in a, in the 98th out of a hundredth lineup? Possibly it's, po- I mean, it's possible that he still fits even projected so low uh me personally i curate a player pool but it's typically a decent enough like i'm i'm building the player pool from the higher projected guys what positions i need and if there are lower projected guys i want to see like high ceiling potential high smash. like they may have a if i look down here so for instance like jalen brunson i'm just i'm just Pulling one out. The RGV plus minus salary adjusted is minus three. Garrett Temple minus 3.6. Yeah, why don't I just mention Garrett Temple? He's someone I won 100,000 with. Why not? I have an affinity to playing Garrett Temple, but he doesn't project well. But I mean, is shooting guard going to be a weak position today? Maybe. He has a 22% smash. So I mean, like Jimmy Butler, on the other hand, projects well for his price at 9,200. But obviously, I'm going to still need like a 4K, 5K player at 22%, you know, at a a little over a fifth of the time, almost a quarter of the time. Garrett Temple's going to put up a, uh, you know, a 30 point score or so. So he technically doesn't project well, but I could include that type of player in my player pool. Are you more, in comparison, are you more of the, I just leave everyone in my pool and, kind of whatever happens, happens. Obviously you're going to be changing exposures. You're going to look, I mean, you're going to, you're going to be looking for good lineups, but do you, unlike me, like me, I start from excluding everyone and then bringing back like all the, all the players that I want in. So instead of having 200 in my pool, I may have 38. And it's like, whatever could make, be made out of those 38, I'm, I'm fine with. And if I miss out on someone, that could still fit in and it's still a good projected uh, lower own lineup. Like I'm just missing out on that. Like I'm, I'm making the decision that this is my pool and that's it. Cause there was an a- argument in the discord that by doing that, you're, you're limiting your ability to get outlier type lineups. And it, it's almost, it goes, to, it goes to the fact that I don't like players, right? Cause technically if I'm just excluding everyone and, bringing 38 guys back in, like those are the 38 guys I like, quote unquote, that should, should I not be doing that? Or, and should I just be leaving everything in and just whatever happens, happens that my, my only concession is the 38 guys or whatever that I'm bringing back are most likely the 38 guys that are going to be in the lineups, even if I left everyone in the player pool, because I'm bringing back high projected lower own smash guys that the likelihood of, of uh, of Gary of uh, Gary Trent at six k being in the lineup that I'm building is probably zero almost zero anyway. So not having him in at all, what does it what does it make a difference? So so what, what how do you deal with that? It seems like you're the type of person that screw the player pool. It is what it is.
1: No, actually, I, I do like to hear AMI. Um, but I will I will do runs first with the entire player pool in. So that I can just kind of see who is coming into the lineups, um, and then I'll start kind of shaving off. I, I, I have in my projections over Pater, I have a lineup HQ export which utilizes the X valve factor as the exposure cap for players. So automatically, there like I, I'm going to be mostly exposed to guys that project well for me and, and have high. Um, gpp score thresholds so high smash scores um and and you kind of nailed it of saying like it doesn't really matter if i curate my pool or not like i'm probably going to get the guys that project well anyway um curating the pool is really just a way to remove those guys that i really don't want like I, if i was hand building a lineup i wouldn't end up with gary trenchu if i was hand building a lineup like i'm not going to end up with uh with malik monk today at, like as of now, he has like a fourteen percent chance to be a top overall score, but he's projected for sixteen fancy points. Like right, but
0: isn't there a line? Aren't there days where Malik Monk puts up thirty five, and you've now, even though he's four, he's fourteen percent, he's not zero, right? Isn't right. there? Isn't there? There is a lineup that exists that fits your parameters that Malik Monk would be in, and you're choosing to exclude that. The argument against the player that curating your player pool is that. You're you're now putting in your own bias into it.
1: Where I'm not, not yeah, but how are
0: you not? How are you not by saying I? Well, I I can't play Malik Monk.
1: Well, because specifically, you're right. He is going to be there around fifteen percent of the time in my models, and that's cool. Like fifteen percent of the time is not the worst. Um, On a slate where there is very minimal value, maybe he ends up there just simply because I can't build lineups without somebody who's $4,700. But at 15% of the time, uh, that's a pretty low percent of the time compared to other value plays that are on the slate. I mean, just as of now, Desmond Bain at 3,900 on DraftKings has a 28% chance to get there. Uh, Mike Mascala, 38, has a 30% chance to get there. Anthony Simmons, 3,700, has a 23%. So it's not that I am including a bias and saying, "Oh well, I think that, um, I think that Malik Monk is not good and is not going to get there." I'm just listening to what the numbers say, and I'm giving myself the best chance by the numbers, the best percentile chance in my lineups to end up having a GPP winning score. It's not a bias; it's just building lineups based off of the best percentages. And if right, it does, well,
0: well, well, James, most likely in your in your scenario that with Malik Monk at 4,700, it's very unlikely that even if you build 100 lineups that you even get him at all. And if you're not going to get him in your first 100 lineups and you're only playing 50, like, why why even have him in the pool? Why even have him there, right? Okay. I mean, like, it, 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 really, it really comes down to what you said in the beginning. So, for instance, I'm going to go right now, I'm going to go to build rules, and I'm going to build 100 lineups. Number of unique players, one, just whatever, just... Default, like anyone that come to me, I'm building a hundred lineups now, default projections on as of 442 AM, whatever. Anyone that comes up even once, to me should be in your playoff, field, right? Would you agree? Like if it, if it would be in the top 100 optimal
1: lineups? Uh, yes. some extent, it, right? Pretty pretty close. Yeah. I, I mean there's gonna be those fringe guys. I I think that eventually what, what I'll do like after I have run that first run of just like a raw baseline, like whatever run, is I'll then go in and I'll usually look at the guys who show up the least and I'll say, okay, well, is this player, does this player actually have a ceiling? Like, can they actually get there a relative amount of the time? Um, and if not, like they have a very a very skinny range of outcomes where like, it's a 3k player that is projected for 13 fantasy points and he has a ceiling of 19. I don't really care about that guy. I'll kick him out. Even if he projects. Okay. I'll kick him out. But it, for the most part, like 90% of those guys are going to stay.
0: I got 57% PJ
1: Tucker. Do you like that? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. That's 3,500. He is 3,500. What do I, man. We uh, have him in our the
0: initial very, very early initial. We have him. At an eighteen point six seven meeting. seems generous for PJ Tucker.
1: <laughs> seems generous for PJ Tucker. Uh, I would probably no. I don't. I don't want fifty-seven percent of him. Maybe I want like. Oh, but he would be in your pool. I, I don't. We don't care about there.
0: percentages now. He'd it's be, more the fact of like, uh, like I have like I go down here and I see THT two percent, Robin Lopez two percent, Derek Favors. Five percent, Jalen Brunson, eight percent, Wesley Matthews, fourteen percent, Tim Tim Hardaway Jr., twenty six percent, Royce O'Neill, Theo Maladon, Sterling Brown. Like these aren't names that I like to roster, but of course, it's a six game slate. We don't have really much value opening up yet, uh, which you never know what could happen. The point is, is not the percentages. The point is, is that like I'm not. Why can't I have Jay Crowder Pr- in my pool or Talon Porter thought? Tucker, like if they come up in the top 100 optimals based on your projections, like that, I think the argument, the middle ground of that argument of curating the player pool versus not is you probably, you should look at this and go, I don't, I probably would have never picked Jalen Brunson, but if he shows up in 8% of the top 100, I should probably include him in my play. I may build 50 lineups and he may not end up in any of them, but he he might be in that tail end right yeah. but he should at least be in my pool i think that i think that's i think that's the key i think pe- people concern themselves way too much like we like in the chat right now uh someone's asking about what's the size of your player pool like the size the, the the size doesn't matter that's what my wife said the size doesn't matter <laughs> it's just the, it's the motion of the ocean or whatever 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 that whatever that phrases but it doesn't it really depends on how much diversification mm-hmm you want. If you don't, if, 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 if you don't mind playing 40%, you don't mind playing 50% PJ Tucker, then that's, then you could have 18 people and 18 guys in your pool, right? Especially at the weaker position. But if you're like, I don't want to risk my entire slate on PJ Tucker, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to find some different lines that don't contain them. And I may need to increase my player pool to do so. So to me, the size is really a byproduct more of the diversification than on like what strategically what strategically matters. Like you could look like, we could look on this like currently, like from a payup up option. And we have Luka, we have Lillard, LeBron, Westbrook. They're all point guard eligible. Obviously LeBron has small forward eligibility. We have Beal and Levine at shooting guard. Like if you wanted to say, based on our current projections, like the, le- the worst projected out of the 10K players, is Westbrook. I don't know what his ownership's going to be. We don't have ownership or anything. The best out of this bunch for their price is LeBron. But if you said, I want to build 20 lineups and fade LeBron completely, I that's perfectly fine. Like if that, now you're making a strategic choice. You're not making a choice based on like the projections. Like if LeBron ends up being 35, 40% on the slate, and you say, I want my leverage spot to be LeBron in all of my lineups, and then go. You don't even have to play Luca or Lillard. I mean, it's just a matter of like what you want to do strategically. But to me, I don't consider that to be a player pool thing. Like, I'm not, I'm I may not X out LeBron. If I'm building a hundred lineups and I'm like, I'm gonna go under on LeBron, I'm gonna build more non-Lebron lineups. I still leave him in the pool, but maybe I cap him at 10%. So I'm only playing that few amount of lebron lineups but it's not the type of thing where i'm just xing guys out left and right and going i don't want to play levine but that also doesn't mean that he's going to end up in any of my lineups but he's still going to be in my player pool there may not be a lineup with bradley beal or russell westbrook in my 50 lineups that i'm making not because i don't like them not because i'd x them or whatever they're in my pool it's just that Compared to other people's projections, they don't they don't end up fitting in lineups. I probably wouldn't have much Do Donovan Mitchell at 8,700 on this slate. Now, if I build 60 lineups, maybe he does end up in two. Maybe, but maybe he doesn't. So even even having a player pool, like if you let's say you have a player, I have a player pool of 60. That doesn't mean you have to use all 60 players. Like that's just like here's here's the here's the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. And maybe you're condensing it so it's easier on you. It's easier to make groups if you wanna make groups. So like in this hundred lineup build that I built, like I will go through, like I've shown this. I have a premium video, uh, if if you're a premium member. And I show this all the time. What I do is like, I go in, I'll exclude all, and then I'll go team by team. And who do I wanna play? I'm using the term want, but it's really Who's the higher projected player? So I'll sort by like smash percentage and go, okay, here's two, uh, here's Wendell Carter Jr. for the Bulls, right? Wendell Carter, Zach Levine, Garrett Temple. And you're like, well, why not Kobe White? It's like, I'll come back to it. If I need another point guard shooting guard, maybe I do include him in. Or maybe I say, okay, I don't mind. I may not even use any of them, but then I don't have Thad Young, Patrick Williams, Denzel Valentine, because these guys project like awful. Like, these are just all, like, they're unlikely to ever appear in any lineups at their prices. Then I look on Houston, and with Oladipo out, and who knows what's going on with, the, with Boogie Cousins, and it's like, okay, Wall projects well, Gordon projects well. Uh, Jayshon Tate doesn't project as well, but he has a high smash. And then it's like, oh, P.J. Tucker, Daniel House. I, I, and then maybe I look at this, and I don't include those guys. I don't have House. I don't have Tucker. I don't have Sterling Brown. Maybe by the time I get through all the teams, I, f- I find out that like, I, I, I don't have enough power forwards, right? Or I can't make, I, I'm making very similar lineups over and over again because I don't have enough like cheap guys. And it's like, you know, what would solve this? The fact that I don't have many power forwards and I don't have enough cheap guys. Damn it, I got to play some PJ Tucker. and that's And that's where, the 57% of the PJ Tucker comes from because it's a line of construction thing where like who else, if if you're not playing PJ Tucker, you're playing a powerful, cheaper, powerful eligible player that projects worse than PJ Tucker. And you know how bad that player has to be to project worse than PJ Tucker. Right. So you want that. So uh, I know you may not have this exact process. Like what I'm doing on your end, but I think, I think it, it feels like the, the the discussion and the argument between curating a player pool, don't curating a player pool, how many players you have in the pool, all, they all end up in this. If you're, if you're thinking conceptually the same way, like we're all, we're, I still think we're all doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. I, I would, I, I think that you have a good enough grasp of building lineups and a good enough grasp of your own process that you don't have to curate a pool because you can look at lineups and say, I would have built this by hand. I would argue that some people who are not as versed in building lineups and don't necessarily know how to play an optimizer as well as you do, curating a pool would probably be good for them. Yeah, you know how to play this like me, a This is
0: me playing an optimizer.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Well, I mean you play it really well and then people throw money at you. So, um right, I I think put my that, little
0: my little guitar case out and for some reason people give me, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Take my head. Uh, I to think head. That, there it is. I think that people who do not Quite understand how to use optimizers as well. It can help them to curate their pool down and try to look at things a little bit more um, in a micro view, like solidify things and and take things down a little bit, so that they can then look at things and say, okay, yeah, I would use Zach Levine in a handbuilt lineup. I would use Lamella Ball in a handbuilt lineup, and and think of things that way, so that you can have kind of like a like some training wheels into building quote-unquote hand-built lineups with the optimizer what what do you think about that
0: no i i think that i think that's perfectly i i always suggest people hand build 20 lineups and then goes an optimizer to build those 20. Mm. like try to whatever you need to do to get those exact 20 lineups you may not get it exactly but that's that's how you should be thinking of using a tool like lineup hq but but when you say that i'm used to an optimizer but it's more about visualizing lineup construction. So I could look, I could look at a player pool and know that like Donovan Mitchell, I'm probably not going to have much of or LaMelo Ball. Like P, PG is loaded like on high end options. So yeah, I mean, you could, like I'm more likely, like if you take a look here, I'm just looking at the figures. So in this AK range, for instance, especially at the guard spots. So in this, we got Mitchell, Ball, SGA, Booker, Rozier, Wall, Paul, right? John Morant. Look how many point guards there are on, on this slate. It's ridiculous. But like Lamella Ball is, is a 41-point median. Like, dude, John Wall is 45 for like 600 less based on our current projections. So it's very unlikely that I'm going to be getting a lot of Lamella Ball when I have Wall available to me. I'm very unlikely to get Rogier when he projects eight points lower than wall for a hundred dollars more. Paul projects better. Even John Morant projects better. So it's like, it's very unlikely that I'll have any Terry Rogier at all. Right. But I could also tell just by, just by the RGV in the smash. Just like I tell that I'll have, I'll have more SGA, SGA projects better than LaMelo, then Donovan, then Devin Booker, then Rogier. not better than wall. So it's more likely to have SGA builds, wall builds. If I go mid range, if I don't go mid range, I'm more likely to have like LeBron in the point guard spot. I don't know if there are cheap point guards on the slate. So I'll go to like point guard and see if I go by RGV or go by smash, like Eric Gordon, I guess 6,300. That's not exactly cheap. Then we get to like Jalen Brunson who has the, the volatility of that could be anything. So this seems like a slate to me based on these projections where you will be paying up at point guard. Okay. But then you take a look at the power forward spot and like literally no one eligible at power forward has a positive plus minus salary adjusted value. No one, not a single person in the player pool, right? Smash percentage. We go here. Jay Sean Tate at 5,900, do you really want to do that? Like, you take a look at this and you go, why aren't I just playing P.J. Tucker? I mean, like, that's, that's the reason. You look at this and you go, no one projects well. Any of these guys are, like, anyone is fine. Is it worth paying up 8,500 for Porzingis? Well, not when there's no point guard value. So you're going to have a, building those types of lineups are going to give you much lower medians. I mean, you could do it. I mean, this will be a leveraged lineup. But this is what I mean by going through. I could tell that if everything projected-wise stays on this slate, I'm going to have to have, like, Carmelo Anthony. I'm going to have to have some Bojan Bogdanovic, Isaiah Roby. And the, I think he'll be a little bit popular if Horford sits on a back-to-back. But you could visualize that. Like, I could tell that I'm not paying up at power forward. I could tell at small forward. I mean, look at look at small forward. The only two positive plus minus players are LeBron and Butler. Then everyone else is garbage. And it's like, who cares? So that's where Daniel House comes in. That's where Tim Hardaway Jr. and Royce O'Neal come in. Right, because if no one projects well, it's more likely that I'm just gonna use a cheap guy in that spot. And if you flip the build, it's gonna be very hard to find cheap point. The problem is that it's gonna be hard to find cheaper values at the guard spots today i mean as of right now obviously it's 11 34 in the morning these projections could change if you're listening later maybe there's tons of guard value by the time you listen to this but as of right now there isn't so all these good projected players are in the guard spots so i'm more likely to pay up there but using that assessment i could see what the lineup constructions are going to be so i don't i when i cur, uh, curate my player pool i already have all that in. My, I, i'm not surprised right? When I build the hundred lineups and see 57% PJ Tucker and go like, well, I guess that's what I got. You got to do what you got to do. Right. Maybe I'll play some Daniel house. So I think, vi- I, I always say visualize lineup constructions and this is what I mean. And once you can visualize like the chalk construction, where are more people doing what's higher, what are higher projected lineups going to look like? Then you're able to go, oh, okay, well, if I don't do this and I switch, my salary allocation, cheap guard, high priced power forward. What would, what lineup would that look like? And does that lineup have a high enough projection and does it have enough leverage? And then maybe you could play some of them. Maybe you include them in your pool. Maybe I do have Porzingis in my pool. Maybe I do end up with two of uh, one or two lineups. Maybe I end up, maybe I don't, maybe he's in my pool and he never gets into a lineup. So I think like when you curate the player pool, you're doing so with lineup construction in mind already. You're not doing it from, I like this guy and I like that guy. Or this guy's, I can't, I'm never gonna play Bam bio ever again. I don't care what he's rejected. You know, that, that type of thing. You're not, you're not doing that. You're just going by the numbers.
1: You're a mute. You're right, my cat was yelling. Um, Yeah. There's there's was agreeing with me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was agreeing with you. Um, That's all it really comes down to is you're, you're just looking to maximize your chances of doing well. It's not about selecting players based off of personal biases or based off of anchoring or like never playing Bam in a bio and never playing PJ Tucker. Like you play what you need to play Um, on this slate specifically. Like when I go over and I look at the way that the distributions are in terms of players that could possibly be top 10 overall on the slate, Uh, it's basically all point guard. Like it's a lot of point guard. It is some shooting guard. It is no power forward. So like, I already know just based on looking at that, that I'm going to be playing a lot of point guards that are expensive just because like, that's where, that's where players are actually going to do well. Um, I know that I can kind of punt power forward. I know that I can kind of punt small forward. Like I'm going to be paying up a lot of the guards. Um, but looking at things that way and saying, okay, I know that I'm going to have to have somebody cheap at power forward. I know that I'm going to have to have somebody cheap at, at small forward, probably these forward spots. I'm going to have to punt these. That's where you're really going into your player pool and, and trying to make some informed decisions based off of the rush construction that you're going to need to have. Um, for me, I also like to kind of look at how over or undervalued players are like, it's really hard to do early for me in, in the morning, I can kind of assess like where players are valuable. I can assess where players are projecting well, but I, I don't usually like to build until I know some sort of idea of ownership projections because I like to take leverage into account. So it, like at that point, if I know that I need to punt power forward um, but PJ Tucker is like 55% owned or something like that, I, I'm probably not going to play PJ Tucker. Like I'm, I, I know that power forward sucks. And I know that there's a lot of variance on these cheap guys and especially on PJ Tucker who can literally go 30 minutes without taking a shot. Um, i like to and take recording a lot
0: that. a stats, not even, not taking yeah. a shot, not even getting a rebound.
1: He can do a Tony Snell game, man. Like right. it's full on. He can do a Tony Snell game. So if I know that he's going to be really, really high owned, but I also know that roster construction is going to kind of necessitate me to punt that position I'm going to need to be adding in some pretty scary forwards because I already know that the super chalk is super volatile. So I might as well have these lower owned guys that are also super volatile that give me a better chance at securing more relative value in my lineups while still sticking to an optimal roster construction. Because that's something that I I think is undervalued is one thing that I like to tell people is go and try to look at the optimals, look at what the optimal construction is and just find the guys that are you know, the most volatile, and try to pivot from there. You don't really have to think all that hard when you're playing NBA DFS because so much of it is projection and and optimal-based, that you can make these really small pivots while sticking to an optimal roster construction and find a lot of success.
0: Right, I mean, like with P.J. Tucker, like if you feel like, oh, instead of P.J. Tucker, I'm going to play uh, Wesley Matthews in a small forward spot. It's like, well, Wesley Matthews could easily put up no points also, so if PJ Tucker is forty percent owned and Wesley Matthews three percent owned, go take this. Shit. I mean, what's the worst? What's the worst thing that happens? PJ Tucker, what? He has a forty-point game. When, when does that happen? I mean, I, obviously, it probably happened tonight. If PJ right. Tucker talking Tucker chalk night, uh, and you're like, oh, there's no way I'm going to play that guy, and then he goes, and then it's one of those, you know, eight corner threes
1: and ten rebounds for no apparent reason. Yeah, well, I mean, we we have this fortune of getting not only Dennis Smith Jr. chalk night, but then followed by P.J. Tucker chalk night, and that's incredible. So wow, yeah, I mean, that. just looking at, at my stuff, I, you have P.J. Tucker at 3500 you have Cameron Johnson at 3500 and I, I don't know, like they both probably have similar ranges of outcomes for that price, but Cameron Johnson will be 2% owned and PJ Tucker would be 40% owned. So well, as of now, I mean, if we had to slate now, sure, sure. As of now, like just looking at things, the way that they are sitting now, uh, I don't know if I have one lineup, I probably don't play PJ Tucker. If I have a whole bunch of lineups, I probably have some PJ Tucker, but I would like to have some leverage off of him and some pivots off of him as well. So I would be adding in my player pool if I were, if we were to use the the exposures that you got with your first run of 100, and you got 57 percent PJ Tucker, I would be looking at that and just like rapid firing in some other 3500 power forwards so that I can I can drop that down a little bit. I don't want 57 percent of any of the 3500 forwards. So give me a larger portfolio so I can just dis- diversify at that position so that I can decrease the amount of volatility that I have, but still make good competitive lineups. Right, or
0: you could choose the opposite.
1: I mean, it, that
0: like I said, what you're discussing is a matter of diversification. Mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker will project the best median-wise, so you could decide instead of instead of taking on the, like uh, distributing your volatility, you would just embrace it and go, I'm just going to lock in P.J. Tucker.
1: And just be a masochist about it. Just hate it. Right. Just
0: just like, you don't mind cutting yourself at this point. <laughs> he has two games that are 7Xs t- the entire season. I was shocked. There's one game of 34 <laughs> and one game of 30. They came off. Of, it's not even like steals and blocks games. Five is five assists. How did he get five assists? Five for seven from three. Like all of his shots are always like these are corner threes, right? You know what's happening tonight? He's going yeah. for 35 tonight, and it's gonna suck. His cousin's playing tonight. What's going on? He's getting traded yet they say I think, that. He's I playing. think he's out.
1: I think I saw somebody say that he's out. Okay. And the Rockets don't even care about playing a center. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, what they, they have played Sean Tate. They've played, oh man, this slate is going to be brutal. Um, Yeah. So I, I, there, there's no boogie cousins. So I like PJ Tucker is going to skyrocket up in ownership. He's going to be 75% in the 600. Uh, It's going to be terrible. (laughs) C dot Carter, NYC in chat
0: says Tucker could be the only one playing for Houston. And I would still not be interested he'd still
1: have no usage he'd be the only one on the court and still not be able to create his own shot. he would play 48 minutes and play great defense though right great defense right he'd be the only one on the court he'd he'd give that he'd cover all everyone on the everyone on the court five on one
0: no problem but on offense all he does is take the ball to the corner and just stand
1: there the rockets would probably cover the spread if he was the only one playing
0: right so if you got any questions. In the YouTube chat, feel free type them in. Hit that thumbs up button. You know, I got I got the apple juice. Still got some apple juice left over here. Keep those thummy thumbs going for the apple juice. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We'll have a we'll have a Grinders live tonight at six thirty because it's an eight o'clock slate tonight, and then uh, then Crunch Time for premium members at seven thirty. So subscribe to YouTube. Sign up for uh, Roto-Grinders Premium. Hit the link in the description to get $10 off your first month. Uh, Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Someone's asking, why did so many top players fade Jokic last night? I didn't and paid the price. Jokic projected.
1: Jokic was owned last night. It's 36% owned. Right. Let's see. Oh, no. I'll go and look at. Backlogs really quick. I, I don't think that I was necessarily super high on him. I liked Joel Embiid a lot more. I liked Giannis more. I liked Harden more. I had I had Jokic projected, man, badly, I guess. No, it couldn't have been that bad. No, it. It's not like Jokic
0: he... was 10% done. Jokic was in plenty of lineups.
1: Yeah, 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 He was he was in plenty of lineups. I didn't project 52. Um he had a tw- he had twenty three percent projected ownership. They're they're just like when you looked at the slate yesterday. I think that paying for Jokic was kind of. I mean, like I said, I, I had a different roster construction. I had mid range yesterday, so I, I didn't. Well, pay I mean, a J- Jared
0: Allen got the center spot. I mean, on DraftKings, when you have only center el- only eligible players, they could only fit in two spots. Mm-hmm. And if you are gonna play, Jan- if you are gonna play Jared Allen and Giannis, like you are not gonna play. You-, you probably don't have Jokic in that lineup.
1: Yeah yeah or to Quinta me that alone. that's that's the reason or like maybe people were paying down Javel mcgee 3800 i don't know but like i the the fact of the matter is that he was 37 percent owned in 100 so it's it's not like a whole bunch of people faded him at that point i think that he was probably appropriately owned right right no I, that's why i said I, like why why did so many people not have Jokic? i'm like who didn't have Jokic? i so plenty of people with Jokic. what did uh what did you think about fred van vliet versus norman powell yesterday what do I what, what what am I supposed to think? I didn't I mean, on DraftKings. I wasn't a big fan
0: of the, the the Raptors prices as it was. Sure. On on FanDuel, that's a different story. FanDuel they 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 someone goes to sleep before they raise prices. Oh, yes. Norman Powell way
1: underpriced on FanDuel yesterday.
0: Right, but on but on DraftKings they priced everyone for Lowry to be out and that they were Fred VanVleet was what like eighty seven hundred and Siakam was eighty nine hundred. They, they were in the high eight thousands and Norman Powell was oh, like sixty nine hundred or something I'm like. I think they're efficiently priced. Yeah, any of them could go off, I guess. Sure, but I mean, they priced they priced those guys as if Lowry was out because Lowry was out. Yeah. Vandal didn't, so like to me yesterday, I wasn't interested in the Raptors at all.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I I really liked Norman Powell. He had he had a four game. I can't control for that, but pretty pretty annoying little one v one there. I didn't know if you had a uh, like an actual thought between those guys, but you're right that they were. Pretty appropriately priced. I I mean, most people yesterday on the slate were pretty appropriately priced. There was nobody that I had that was over a 50% smash score T val. So I, I mean, I thought I thought the slate yesterday, that's why I went mid-range because I just I didn't see a way I didn't want to play Dennis Smith Jr. I didn't want to play Chris Chiosa after Derek after Tyler Johnson was out. So I played a lot of mid range guys. And you you said that you went stars the scrubs, right? Like you had right, right. Yeah, I did horribly. Yeah. Weird, <laughs> weird slate, man. And that that kind of thing, like, it's hard to look back at that and, and try to figure out. Somebody posted uh, for FanDuel, and I I mean, FanDuel screenshots, I kind of take a, a grain of salt with that. Because you can play whatever you want on FanDuel anyway. But um, it, it was a lot of guys who were, like, 40% owned and guys that were, like, 3% owned that I I never even would consider. Like, Darius Garland. What the hell was Darius Garland last night? Just weird stuff, man. No, I think Garland was okay.
0: What was wrong with him?
1: I I didn't like him. Okay. He projected
0: okay. It's basically there weren't that many, there weren't scrimming values. So it's like everyone's efficiently priced. Especially on DraftKings. It's like, okay, you can build a ton of lineups. You don't yeah. like any of them. You're like, you're like, you're building lineups and like, there's no, there's no way for me to like any lineup. And so it's like, okay, everyone's in the same boat as me.
1: Yeah.
0: Max Coach so. won in the YouTube chat uh talking about the historical slates, which we do have on Roto grinders, like we could go, I could show you. If you have lineup HQ, if you have premium, you can click on the date and you go back in time. Go back in time to Sunday, the 21st and it will have the actual fantasy points that are in here, right? So you could sort by fantasy points, what we had, RG had them projected, right? And you could build, you could find, you know, the optimal from there. So if I clear this, let's see, let me get rid of my locks. So if I were to like run what, the optimal yesterday, the best possible lineup you could have made on DraftKings was Saban Lee, Halliburton, Jeffries, Aminu, Allen, Trey Young, Middleton, and Carl anthony Towns. I never get to that. Right, of course not. Like, that's <laughs> not like No, there's, there's no way I get to, yeah, but most people don't get to that either. 385.75. But uh, he's asking about the ownership. We're working, I believe, the line of base Q team is working on a way to also get ownership in here. But remember, like, if we get actual ownership, we have to pull it from some contest. So most likely it would have to be like whatever the large field contest is, right? Because obviously ownership is different from contest to contest, so I think it just comes down to like, figuring out how to do that. Because really the, mo- the more thing that we're, we're caring about is just getting the actual fantasy points. So if you wanted to go back and, you know, test builds out and go, well, I could switch from actual fantasy points. I can't even switch from that. And then upload. I can't even upload from there. So now you have to use actual fantasy points. Tragic. Right. So you go, well, I had these exposures and whatever. Could I have gotten to that lineup? Could I have gotten to the winning lineup using and experimenting like that? So if you wanted to, it's available to you. Lineup HQ, is Premium. Click on the link in the description for $10 off your first
1: month. I do want to point out that sometimes it's not a good idea to like try super hard to rebuild the winning lineup. Because if if you adjusted your process to build the lineup from last night, that that's scary man that's scary for like your future prospects cuz there's some there's some slates where like good players just would never have landed on that like you would never have landed on that jordan in, in like in like 600 lineups you wouldn't have had the winning lineup blessing no of course not and so like in 3000 lineups i wouldn't have had your process is is pretty good too like you are a very winning player and so i i think that is something um overfitting if you're overfitting not only like your your regular process but also your mental models of being like oh well i definitely should have considered aminu last night i you shouldn't have um but there's there's so many people that look at the winning lineup and and try to come back from that and that's why you and i always preach go to results database and look at what good players did don't look at the winning line like you, you should you have no reason to go look at what won you should go look at the people who play and do this for a living and have a positive ROI over long term, and not just look at oh, I should have played Alpha Rock Minu last night. That that doesn't really do you much good.
0: Right. It just says that oh, I guess I need to bang my head against the keyboards to select players every night <laughs> <day." laughs> oh, if I get lucky. I mean, like that that is what it is. Uh, in the YouTube chat, uh, Tim Yang asks, "Is it smart to make a tournament lineup and put it in all my cash games?" That way I could be first in my cash, and if I win, I win all of them. That, that's, that's, the, that's the opposite way of thinking. Like, no, you, you, you play cash lineups and cash games. You play tournament lineups and tournaments. Cash games are meant for median lineups. You don't want to win. Winning a double up gets you the same amount of money as coming in 45th place, right? I mean, like, you don't have to win your double ups. It's a waste to win your double. And in fact, you probably screwed up if you won your double ups, right? If you come in first and you
1: more yeah. likely, I want to come in right in the middle. The that's, old that's adage it. of putting your cash game lineup in your GPPs just in case you land on the nuts. Like you're probably not building the right cash lineups. If nobody
0: knows, this guy's asking the reverse.
1: I, well, I know, I know, but like the it reverse could makes go no great. sense. At least the
0: cash. Okay, you want to play the? You want to throw your cash lineup into some 150 entry? You know, like 100 field. Oh, you know, like small like field yeah. stuff. Okay, more okay, more. fine. I can get that.
1: No. Right? But not on 15. Don't do that.
0: No, not the large field stuff. Probably not. And then you don't do the reverse. You definitely don't do the reverse. Yeah,
1: never do the reverse. Don't, right, don't play. Pl- the, <laughs> don't play the two percent owned, uh, freaking Facundo Capazo in your cash game lineup hoping to bink. You don't win anything extra for binking in your in your cash games. It, it, if you're playing like a quad up, or if you're playing like a, a three man, then you have to get a little bit different sometimes. But not. You're not trying to win cash games you're you're just trying to beat the majority of the contest so that you can beat out the rake and and pull in your your seven to nine percent over the accrue of the year uh you're, you're not trying to win them don't don't play gpp lineups in cash Free copyright
0: music asks uh, that i'm assuming that's not his real name uh will you think about making the video going through your entire process for a gpp lineup? ultimately ending up with one, two, or several lineups so we could see the result you come up with. I do that in the, pre- I've done that in premium videos, but behind, behind the, behind the paywall, I've done, I've explained stuff, I've done it in the how I won whatever videos, right? I mean, I, I explain the process even this show, like it's not that, it's, it's really not that complicated, it's just a matter of you can't do anything until like a half an hour before lock. So like, I'm not, there's nothing for me to do now. That's why I say, based on the current assessment that i'm looking at it through the projections that aren't even updated or manually adjusted at all that uh, you're probably paying up at point guard and paying down a small at, at power forward and small forward and then next thing you know some guard value and some pat like this some value opens up and like the whole thing changes right well, john wall's also out it's all, looks like we're jamming in all the rockets again right and then except for pj tucker maybe you like Right, Lillard's out, oh, okay, now now that would, I mean, anything could happen. The coaches are lying all the time. We never know. So it's kind of hard for me to have that type of, type of process video, like at the time, because like, when the hell am I doing it? I'm doing, I'm doing it for, I'm doing it for my, I'm gonna build five lineups tonight for GPP and I'm gonna be doing it at, at it's at eight o'clock slate. I'll be doing it at 7.30, right? I'll be looking through results. I'll be looking through lineup HQ, pressing some buttons. Remember, I'm focusing more on small field play. So I'm not building like multi-entry builds as much, right? If I'm playing hundred lineups, yeah, sure. Yeah, then, then I'm building in lineup HQ. But because I can visualize the constructions, I don't, need to, I don't need to necessarily go, you know, click there and take this guy out. Like the stuff that I do show, it's more for an explanatory purposes. I could I could look and go, this line, I know this lineup projects well, and I know that I have enough leverage. And I could I could just I could tell because it's like I'm playing for these guys that project well, and this guy here and flipping that construction, and this guy's gonna be three percent owned. I'm good. There you go. Lock it all in and then go to the next line and go, okay. Well, I'm gonna take a different approach. I'm gonna flip this way and do, 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 do. okay, that should work. Okay, done. Go to the next one and not that complicated. I think people over. I, James, I, I think we even say in, in the course that the more you understand the concept that the, that you really grasp the game theory concepts, playing DFS almost becomes simpler. Oh yeah. Like people tend to overthink. Well, do I do this and this and there's so many options or whatever. Like a lot of game theory is removing the things that really don't matter much and focusing on the two or three things for that slate, that sport, that instance that matter the most. On this slate, it could be, James, the thing that matters, the decision that matters the most on this slate could be whether or not you play PJ Ducker. And it, it probably will be. Right. If that's <laughs> the bad fight. If that's <laughs> what matters the most and spend most of your time on what matters the most mm-hmm. on little fringe things, or how many of this, how many, how many, should I have 38 players in my pool? Should I have 34 players? It doesn't, it's likely not going to matter. These, those types of things. So maybe over the course of a year, you're, you're, you're leaking away 0.2% ROI by doing something not as efficient or, so, or something like that. But like, if you don't grasp, like if you don't grasp, projection correlation and leverage like you're dead like you're just like in the, you, you have No, then now yeah now you just now you're just banging your head against the keyboard and you have al farouk aminu and whoever in your in your lineup he did start at least james it's not stupid A- aminu at least started right i uh <laughs> yeah what was that winning lineup i'm gonna bring that up on results tv right now
1: I, I had him projected for 12 fantasy points. So oh, it was RBX that one. Oh, of course it was.
0: <laughs> oh Facundo Campazo and Alfaru Camino. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. but he started for 3k. I can't I can't I can't be upset about that.
1: He, I mean he had a, he had a T valve 17%. He, he's basically the same play as Malik Monk and I was trashing Malik Monk earlier, so right. There you go.
0: Right. I just, I, I don't, I, I likely never make this lineup, but.
1: And that's okay because there's a slate today. Right. I, right. Exactly. You're right. This is slate today. People get, people get bogged down and think that they need to win every slate. And I, I am here to tell you that no, you, uh, you are going to win. Hopefully, hopefully a couple slates a year. Actually. Oh, that's all you Right. Lo-
0: right. Max. Right. Yeah.
1: You're
0: going to lose so, 90% of the time. I'm perfectly fine. Yep. But if rb and rb especially rbx anytime i see rbx win and it's some weird lineup i just go
1: like, i'm just never i'm just that dude i just i just i'm just never gonna get that dude well i was i was praising um big t the other day after he had like that 120 whatever win on, on FanDuel. i was praising him because like that dude he takes stance and like he he doesn't have any any shame in the stance that he takes and like when he hits he hits big and that's Great, like that. And when he doesn't, he loses big. Also, so like, there's going to be
0: swings. So it's not all screenshots and
1: rainbows. But all you have to do is win big once or twice a year, and you're
0: way positive for the year. So yeah,
1: yeah. If a if a player like Big T or a player like you or a player like me hits four times a year, like (laughs) positive ROI year, there you go. That's all. That's all you need. And and but I
0: mean, what? But I mean, do you even need that anymore with top shots?
1: Do you no, even man. need that anymore? Everybody's a millionaire on Top Shots, Steve. Apparently, apparently,
0: apparently Top Shots is, is 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 like you know how the joke is that no one loses at NBA DFS? N- yeah, apparently no loses one loses, top loses top at top NBA Top Shots.
1: And and everybody can eventually, you know, in 2024, when you can withdraw your money, you know, like you'll have millions of dollars, you don't right, worry when about.
0: Possibly that you could possibly get your fake money out of out of whatever the whatever that is, right? Of course. Yeah. I get it. Perfect. Perfectly fine oh <laughs> uh, let's see c dot carter says since listening to blender over the month i've won small field tourneys for learning for learning and took down three on yahoo so far and one on dk hey nice binge watch his videos yes binge watch my videos and get the theory of daily fantasy sports it's a 15-hour audio masterclass, the entire game theory at dfs for any sport it's not just nba anything the chapters like you know, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. Like it's meant for you to play PGA, LOL, it doesn't matter. It's me and James, right? Me, me and James, it's 15 hours of audio. It's a good structured education. If you don't understand some of these concepts, or well, you want to get better, and this is this is the this is the course that teaches you how to fish. Right, we're not giving you fish. We're teaching you how to fish, and then you can fish for yourself. So pick that up. Uh, I mean, obviously, I answer any questions you want here. James is on every Monday on the pregame show. We talk about concepts. You could, if you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. Like you could get everything you want out of out of out of my show, out of his shows. But if you want a reference guide in your pocket, play on the phone, play on any podcast player, do whatever you want with go Pick it up so theory of dfs.com and uh and and James, you have uh you have stuff going on at at paydirt, right?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, so you can find all my stuff over at paydirt.ghost.io. Um, I am currently trying to continue working through the NBA optimizer, which is still in beta form, but it's come a long way, which is cool. Hopefully, done for the end of the year. Um, League of Legends starting back up for full slates, Counter Strike every night, Call of Duty is back have baseball right around the corner. So um, really, really excited about continuing to build for for subscribers over at Paydard. And there's plenty of free tools over there too. The, the historical ranges tool lets you search through um, players and teams and stuff like that, and see what their, their medians and their standard deviations are. And there's a defensive efficiency metrics tool, which shows you which teams give up the most to other teams. Like it, it's a cool place to be, so go check it out. Okay, you could also follow James.
0: Paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter. I'm Blender at Blender HD on Twitter. And uh, who knows what's going to happen tonight, but check out uh, Grinders Live. Hopefully we don't have to play PJ Tucker, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to be playing PJ Tucker tonight. So uh, hopefully he doesn't, it may be one of those where power forward ends up being a snowflake position anyway. So PJ Tucker getting there, getting there for like 18, like, okay, great. I got 18 from PJ Tucker. And then and or or if you fade him, he goes for 30. It's, 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 it's always one of those things, right? You it play him works. at six, and then if you fade him, it's 30, right? I just I just hope we get we get some news or something where we don't have to play PJ Tucker. So uh so good luck to everyone playing PJ Tucker tonight. And we'll talk we'll talk about the constructions uh tomorrow like I do every weekday, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern time here on the DFS pregame show on (laughs) rotogrinders.com.